it's my uh, privilege and honor to welcome our speakers this morning, Craig and Molly Sanborn. Craig goes by many titles. His favorite is Dad. In addition to building forts and reading books, Craig spends his time as the director of student ministries for Converge North Central. Uh, he has a passion for teenagers and counts it a privilege to invest in their lives. Craig loves, loves speaking and tag teaming with his wife, Molly, in ministry. Molly Sanborn, a.k.a. the Cheeseball Chick, is, is a wife, a mom, a speaker, an author, and a lover of Jesus. Her creative ideas and infectious personality have been featured on several TV shows, including Twin Cities Live, and you have to catch her on Wipeout. You can find that on YouTube, right? Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, she loves to laugh and make it her mission to help others find joy in the midst of tough times. Um, her brand new book, Cheese Balls for Jesus, Funny Faith-Filled Stories to Encourage and Inspire, is available on Amazon, also available here this morning. Uh, also, I want to mention, um, Craig and Molly will be hanging out here afterwards, so please feel free to come in and say hi um, and check out the book as well. Um, by the way, fun fact, the book, the picture on the back, uh, was taken in front of my garage door by my favorite photographer in the whole world. Uh, thanks, Allie, for that. A uh, little plug for Allie. Um, but anyway, would you please welcome to the stage Craig and Molly Sanborn. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. Yay! Thank you. Sounds like maybe we know some of you out there. Yeah, awesome. Well, hey, thank you for that. Um, yes, uh, so... Craig and Molly Sanborn, I get the privilege of being married to Craig. I should have worn the shirt, honey. I well, made sure. a shirt that says, I love Craig. And the next shirt that I want to make and wear is going to say number one on Craigslist. <laughs> yes, you like that? All right, great. Okay, well, you gave a great introduction of Craig. So really, I think I just need to tell you that he is a major Star Wars fan. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> So yeah, Craig, Craig is, uh, is, is being super spiritual and reading the Bible. I don't think you can see it, but yeah. it was a nice picture. It's a little tricky. Yeah. So um, <laughs> as mentioned, uh, my wife, she, she does have an alias. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but she is also, not mentioned, she's the principal, superintendent, homeroom teacher, physical education instructor, head janitor, and the lunch lady for the Sanborn School for the Gifted. That's right. Otherwise known as a homeschool mom. Yes, where so, are my homeschoolers? Woo! Yeah. Oh, lots of them. I like it. Yeah. That's uh, great. She does have this alias. She travels the world, bringing joy to the world, one cheese ball at a time. Just like, um, well, yeah, just like Superman is Clark Kent and uh, Diana Prince is Wonder Woman. My wife is known as the Cheese Ball Chick around the world. Okay, so I'm not gonna take time to tell you how I became the Cheeseball Chick, because like a couple days ago, I posted the video on Instagram. So don't go now, you can creep on me later, but there's a whole hilarious story how it started in an airplane 15 years ago. I was not looking to carry snacks on my back. It happened, and my joy is from Jesus, so I wear cheese balls for Jesus. That's the short version. Um, but actually, They yeah. recently uh, traveled internationally to Israel. Yes. Uh, uh, we took a 12-day trip to Israel with some uh, friends and co-workers and, and new people we had not met before. Um, and here's a, a quick little shot, because if you go to Israel, we are told you have to ride a camel. Yeah. So we checked the box on that. There we are. It was actually the most painful experience. Um, I have a broken tailbone, and I like was crying, but 
tried to fake it, so yeah. yeah. Uh, while we were over there, Molly shot uh, multiple videos for social media, one of them in particular at the Sea of Galilee. Uh, we're not gonna play the video for you, but you can find it, it's out there. Maybe some of you have even seen it. On her TikTok, it's got over a million views, and then somebody clipped it and did a reaction video, and last time I checked, it was at five and a half million views. So that just happened uh, two weeks ago, and kind of crazy. There have been some really positive stuff that have come out of that. Mostly positive. And some really brutal stuff, because there are some haters in the world. I guess they don't like cheese balls. I guess. Or Jesus, but hey. Um, And actually, when we went to Israel, we brought our two kids with us. So there they are. Aren't they so cute? Um, Yeah, they were too expensive to bring physically, so we literally took pictures of them all around Israel, and I'm going to make them a scrapbook. It was very exciting. But hey, you guys, I want to draw attention to the picture on the right, because this is a super significant place. That elaborate looking uh, church is actually the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. And this church has been built over the cave where for centuries they believe is the cave, not manger actually, not stable, but a cave where Jesus was born crazy to be there. And there were crowds of people. Uh, This is the outside. Do you guys see the cross? Can you see that in the middle? Um, I'm going to move on for those of you who are slow. Sorry. But (laughs) here here is a picture of people waiting sometimes for an entire day. They wait in line to go through that little opening where that guard is because down there is a spot where they've kind of commemorated the opening of the cave where they believe Jesus was born. And as we were being pushed and shoved and like people like trying to get in, I I stood back and I looked at the crowd of people and I thought, man, these people are trying to get to where Jesus was, but do they realize that Jesus is? that he is with them, that he is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. If you haven't been paying attention in chapel, that's actually been your theme this year, with, God with us. And we were no closer to Jesus when we were where he was born than where we are sitting right now. Well, I'm not sitting, standing, where you are sitting right now here in St. Paul, Minnesota. So you've got all these people trying to get to certain spots where Jesus was, Jesus may have been, Jesus could have been. And in in that scenario right there, right, I'm a a hardcore introvert. I don't like being around people, close to people. Um, And so I I just felt like a cattle packed in a semi or something, and I was ready to get out. We had worked our way through this church to the spot where they believe Jesus was born. And I got to the door and I turned around and said to my wife, and I said, I'm out of here. Like, I'm done. I can't, I can't handle this. Like we were at the opening. We were at the opening, and she gave me that look. The look that let me know, no, we are going through because she was desperate to get a family picture there at the spot where Jesus yeah, was born. Yeah, and I got a family picture. There it is. By the way, can we see the slides coming up if we can get that on there? Otherwise, no worries um, to see on the monitor. But yeah, that was a great picture, babe. Right, right. <laughs> so the crazy thing, and, and I had this delusion that when we went to visit these places uh, in Israel, is that we were going to be out on some mountainside. We were going to, you know, from a distance, maybe there'd 
be a railing there, say, oh, over there is where we believe Jesus was crucified. And, and, and I had this weird picture that just was completely inaccurate. And like Molly said, these places have been built on top of for thousands of years. There are uh, uh, churches and denominations that are trying to stake their claim on these areas that are significant to the Christian faith. Another place that we went was called the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Now, in this particular place, you can see it there um, from a distance, it is the, the, the site where Jesus was crucified and then just a short distance away where he would have been buried in the tomb, all under one building. But then inside that building is the sepulcher, which is a tomb where people would be buried. So it's a building on top of a building with people just packed inside of it. Here's a, a, a slide of what it kind of looks like through the years as it has been built on top of over and over and over again from 30 AD to the present time. Now, there's a lot of fighting that goes. Anytime you get a lot of people together, anytime you get people trying to stake their claim on a certain area, right, the backseat of our car is sacred space and you do not cross the middle if you're my son or daughter, right? It's sacred to my two kids. Now imagine a holy place, a holy site where Jesus would have lived and dwelled and uh, been crucified and risen again. People are fighting over it, and they have been fighting over it for thousands of years. In the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, there's no less than six denominations staking their claim to it right now. This picture is a picture of the Holy Sepulcher inside that cathedral, and inside that space is where the, the tomb is, where Jesus would have been laid to rest and, of course, uh, rose again. Hallelujah. That's right. the good part. <laughs> right. Now, to signify the importance of this place and how serious it is that these denominations and religions have their claims, there's a, a, a Coptic monk who sits on a particular chair in a particular space 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And back in 2008, on a hot summer day, one monk moved his chair some 20 centimeters. Now, because everybody is fighting, they have mutually agreed, kind of crazy that they agreed on something, is that there was gonna be no changes. Nobody's gonna put up decorations anymore. Nobody's gonna like claim space or, or paint the walls or do more decorations. You are not to make any adjustments whatsoever. But this monk on this hot summer day in 2008 moved his chair 20 centimeters into the shade, which caused a riot. People were injured, they went to the hospital, people have died because of this controversy in these fights. Nobody died in this particular fight, but here's a clip of what happened because of that move. What we learned when we went to Israel just a few weeks ago is that anywhere where there is a holy site, there are fights that are happening and have been for centuries over people who are claiming 
to be followers of Jesus. All out fights like that one you see. Now, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher and the Church of the Nativity, those are contested places, but nowhere near this site, the Temple Mount. Okay, for those of you who are not sure or uh, have been familiar with this or the history, that is the Dome of the Rock that is a Muslim monument because right now Muslims own the 35 acres, which is 26 football fields, which is where the temple originally was built, which has been destroyed two different times in 586 by the Babylonians and then in 70 AD by the Romans. And just to give you an idea of what the temple would have looked like, here's a rendering. The temple itself would have been three times bigger than the Dome of the Rock, just to give you guys a scale of this. So when Craig and I had the opportunity just a couple weeks ago to go onto the Dome of the Rock, we had to go through a serious security protocol, okay? And what we were told by our guide is do not pack your Bibles in your backpack because they will take them. And they did. It was raining that day. We didn't take our Bibles. Thankfully, our guide told us not to, so we didn't have to leave them at the gate. It was raining. All these Bibles have been confiscated. They also have signs posted, no prayer on the, dome, on the, on the Temple Mount. Isn't that crazy? It just makes me think of Hebrews 4.12 that says God's word is alive and active. Like your very prayers, God's word is a threat to the enemy. So it was just really sobering to see that. And actually I started filming a video because there was no signs that said you can't film videos. I'm filming a video in front of the Dome of the Rock just giving the history and an undercover Muslim security guy came and shut me down. And then we tried again and then he said, if you film again, you will leave. So that was a little scary and we stopped filming. Um, but one of the coolest places we got to go, which surprised me, is actually at the bottom of the Temple Mount our guide took us down there and he showed us this pile of ruins. And there was a sign that said, these ruins are actually from 70 AD when the Romans destroyed the temple. And this is some of, some of the top of the temple mount and maybe even perhaps some of the stones from the temple. And then he had us turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter 2, 5. And he had us read that we, the body of Christ, are living stones being built up to be God's temple. Yeah. If you have Bibles or your phones and you want to turn to, to 1 Corinthians, you sure can. I invite you to do so. Otherwise, of course, it'll be on the screens as well. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys the temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Here's what uh, hit me on this trip, something I actually didn't realize prior to. The word you in this verse is not singular, right? I've said it so many times. Hey, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit as a Christ follower inside of you. So you are that temple. But you is not singular. Northwestern University, you is plural. So you, as uh, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he's saying, you, church of Corinth, plural, you are the temple. 
And that's a big deal because there's some seriousness that comes with this verse in verse 17. God will destroy anyone who destroys this plural temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. If we back the train up just a little bit and take a look at uh, verses, uh, chapter three, verses one through 15, and we'll just look at the first three verses, Paul is calling them out for their behavior. He's letting them know that the way that they have been behaving is not Christ-like and is not good for the plural temple. Specifically in verses one through, th- one through three, he's saying there is jealousy, there is quarreling, you are not getting along. And he calls them worldly and said they were like infants. Stop acting like infants. And if we summarize that, basically, there's jealousy, there's quarreling, and they're acting like worldly babies, right? Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, but he also wrote that for us today. And he wrote that, friends, for the student body at Northwestern University St. Paul. So let's break it down, you guys. Let's just say that Paul was not writing to the Church of Corinth, but he was writing to the students at Northwestern University, St. Paul. What would his message be to you? We, we don't know. We, we don't know. We know a couple of you guys, but we don't know as a whole. What would he say? Would it look like this? Or would he be commending you? Good job. Keep it up. Great job. You're getting along. Awesome. Let's make it even more personal, okay? What if Paul was writing to you and your roommates, what would he say? What if he was writing to your hall, or your hall small group, or your sports team, or your club team, or the worship arts team, or to those of you in music and theater, to the student team, student government? Let's not forget the commuters. I was a commuter at North Central University. Woo woo, all right? There's no commuters here? Come on, give me, thank you guys, you matter. Yes, you matter, you do. To those duly enrolled, some high school students still in here? Yes, okay. What if he was writing to those of you who have a job here on campus? Or what if he was writing to the home church that you're a part of? This is a question we want you to think about. Are you working with each other? for the kingdom of God and his purposes for eternity, or are you working against each other? I think Jesus or uh, Paul was writing these words to me, which I needed to apply um, back in the late 1980s when I was working at Trout Lake Camp uh, in Pine River, Minnesota. If you've been to Trout Lake Camp there on the top of the hill, you will see the words, a meeting place with God. Right, It's a place where people come and campers come to hear about Jesus, to grow in their faith. And I was on staff that summer, and there was a, another a person on staff named Dan. And there was just something about Dan that rubbed me the wrong way. Everything that came out of his mouth, I just found annoying, and it just grinded on my soul and spirit. He didn't know how it grinded on me, but it did, and the guy just, he drove me crazy. Now, one particular Friday night, I was walking with a little uh, third grade boy, and we were on our way down to the campfire for the Friday night worship experience, and he had skinned his knee, so we made a quick little stop at the health lodge. I I put a Band-Aid on his knee, and we started walking down the hill to the campfire there at the point, and I could hear Dan's voice off in the distance yelling and screaming through a microphone, and that third grade boy looked up at me, and he says, hey, Craig, who, who is that? whose voice is that? I said, that's Dan. 
And I looked at this kid and I said, he's pretty obnoxious, isn't he? And the boy looks back at me and he says, well, yeah, but he sure is strong in his faith. And man, I just felt this gut punch. And I was humbled in that moment by a third grade boy. And in that moment, in in virtually an instance, my perspective on who Dan was and who God created him to be instantly changed. Humbled by a third grade boy because Dan and I were there working together to encourage one another, to support one another, to be a team together. My question for you is, who rubs you the wrong way? Who in the family, in the plural sense of you, do you clash with? Dan and I went on to have an incredible friendship from that day moving forward, and I would not be who I am today without his influence in my life. Who's your Dan? Hmm. Ooh, uh, that makes me think of a story. When I was in college at North Central University, I went for elementary education, played volleyball. Unfortunately, Northwestern beat us every time, but man, we came close one of those times. Um, and as an L-Ed student, I don't know, you guys, do you, you know when the teacher says, okay, group project, and then they start listing off the names, and you're like on the edge of your seat, like, okay, I hope it's gonna be her and him and this person, but not that person. Okay, so I got assigned to a group of five, and there was one person that I was like, oh, shoot. So I remember sitting around the table in the L.A. department, and four of the five of us were collaborating, but what started to happen is three of the four of us, I kept my mouth shut, started talking about the girl that wasn't there. Not so nice things. Uh, she's not pulling her weight, and, oh, she's kind of annoying, and man, you know what, I wish she wasn't in our group, and on and on and on, and then from around the corner comes Lydia, tears streaming down her face, and we all look up, and she says, I don't want to be in your group anyways, I can't believe you guys would talk about me like that, and she ran away. I got up, I ran after her, and what I was most concerned about at the time was my reputation. So dumb. Why don't I just think about her, right, and how she's feeling? And so I'm saying, Lydia, 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 I didn't say anything. I, I didn't say anything. And she turned and she looked at me, and she said, exactly. You didn't say anything. Oh. Yeah, I was convicted. I didn't stick up for her. I had an opportunity right there at that table to work toward oneness and unity and withness. But instead, I just let the division happen, which you guys is happening all over, isn't it? In our world, in our classes, in our groups, in our rooms. And you know, what's what's crazy to think about is that Jesus actually anticipated your struggle at Trout Lake Camp with Dan. He anticipated my struggle with my group. He's anticipated your struggle with the people that you are not getting along with because he actually chose you guys in John 17 at the Last Supper, known in some Bibles, it's going to say Jesus's farewell. It's like the last prayer recorded from Jesus besides the one of him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? This is what he says. My prayer is not for them alone, meaning the disciples that he was with. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Guys, that's me and you. Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for me, and this is what he prayed. 
that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Oh, wow, let those words sink in. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Does it sound like he's repeating himself? (laughs) May they be brought to complete unity. Why, you guys? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Why do we work to get along? So people get to know Jesus, right? So how are we doing, guys? Craig and I love to give lighthearted, fun, funny messages, but for some reason, God told us to give this one. Shoot. (laughs) But we pray that it's not falling on deaf ears. You guys, you got something you need to make right? How are you doing at this? I I have a, a question. As you look at this picture, Which one are you, plural, in the groups you find yourself in? Which one do you more identify with? A solid, uh, solid, steady, firm structure that provides stability or like the pile of ruins. So to really break it down, guys, are you jealous? Is quarreling a quality of yours? Are you acting worldly? And hey, we didn't say this, Paul said it, okay? Are you an immature baby? <laughs> and, and I would just add, um, which one of these four most resembles you? Because it could be easy to go to say that, yeah, not me, not me, not me, not me. But which one of the four most resonates? If you had to pick, where would you land? Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll go first, okay? Jealousy, oh. I had an intense struggle with jealousy. And get this, you guys. I was envious of another person in ministry, a speaker like me, speaking on the same topic to the same crowds, doing kingdom work. She wrote an amazing video curriculum and got endorsed by this world-renowned speaker, author. I didn't, and I was jealous. And I had some bad attitudes in my heart toward her. And so if you've been there, done that with the jealousy thing, guys, I feel you, and it eats you apart. And the book of James actually calls jealousy and envy demonic. Check out James 3.16. Right before in verse 15, he says it's demonic, but then he says, wherever there is jealousy and in selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Nothing good, ha- good happens from jealousy and envy. Maybe uh, you can relate to quarreling in your life. I know I can. Watching my wife post some well-intended, Christ-focused videos on social media and seeing a lot of positive comments, but seeing them accuse my wife of things that are untrue, unbiblical, and uncharacteristic of her, I want to enter in. As a matter of fact, I do not, I did not have an Instagram account I opened one last night because I would like to engage with the individuals who are saying lies and hideous things about my wife. 
But let me also say this, out of the thousands of debates that I have witnessed and read on social media, do you know how many of them that I have seen where there has been a change of heart, a change of opinion, or authentic repentance on the part of one, uh, a person? Zero, zero, right? Pride and selfishness stand in the way and we want to jump in and we want to defend, but God is our defender, right? When you live a life with character and integrity, it will speak for itself and it will shame others who make accusations against you. So quarreling is so tempting to do and so hard not to enter into, but I'd encourage you, allow God to be your defender. There are so many times where we just want to win a quarrel, we just want to win a fight, we just want to win a debate, but when we do, that means that somebody loses. And oftentimes, the ones who lose are the ones we love and care about the most. Remember the plural and that we are on the same team. So when you're off campus with your roommates or your sports team at the hotel or your ministry team or music or whatever it is, wherever you find yourself, would people recognize something or someone different in you? Or would Paul, if he was writing to you, say, you just like the world? What if there was a a, uh, hidden camera in the locker room? Oh, please, no. No, actually, that would not be good. But no, okay. Let's say that the hidden camera somehow was able to blur certain areas and let, okay, okay, no, mental picture, stop, Molly. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's just say there was a hidden camera in your, in your room, in your suite, in your hall. Like, what would, be, what would be revealed? Honest question to think about. Maybe you relate to that whole worldly baby part. Guys, Awana, if you grew up in church, Awana is great, but it's in children's ministry for a reason. It's time to elevate from our childish ways and ways of thinking and come up to the adult table at Christmas time and Easter time, right? Find a church, if you haven't yet, that will stretch your thinking and not just tell you what you already know. Join a small group that will call you out on your garbage rather than look the other way. Hang out with friends that raise the bar of integrity rather than lower it on Saturday nights. Guys, if you answered yes to any of these questions, first of all, you're not alone, okay? But let's do something about it. And what's the answer? What happened at the temple? People met with God. They repented, they were restored, forgiveness was offered, and forgiveness was received. We wanna give you an opportunity to do that, and, and I'll go first, okay? Um, I had the opportunity to put this verse into action, James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Remember my story of jealousy? I confessed to God. He also had me confess to Abby. Oh, that was hard. I was like, does she really need to know God? He's like, yeah, you should tell her. I did. We have become so close friends. God actually had me write an entire chapter in my book called Confessions of Jealousy. We have a picture in the book, so the whole world knows my icky struggle, but how God redeems and restores when you go to him and he can make you get along with others. And the kingdom is better because of it. And just a couple weeks ago, I brought her on stage at a women's event and I bragged about her in front of others. Guys, God will change your heart if you let him. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back uh, up. And as the worship team begins, I'm hoping there will actually be less singing 
and more action. Because we want to create the space for you to step into living and, 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 and being the temple, plural, here in this space. I want to challenge each and every one of you to think about somebody in your life, on your team, in this space, maybe back home, that you need to apologize to. You need to seek forgiveness. You need to offer forgiveness, even if they're not asking for it. The person you may need to get right with may be in this space. They may be back home. So I want to encourage you, if, if God lays someone on your heart who's not here, to take out your phones, texting's great, and actual conversation is even better. But as long as it depends on you, as it says in Romans 12, 8, as 